Guasso, bro. Ay. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the three subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the third sub podcast, episode 129. You think we forgot about you? Forget about us? Well, we're back with some more Vancouver Whitecaps chatter as the MLS season resumes shortly this weekend. And to dive into all that, as usual, I'm your co-host, Alexander Gonguruzic, joined as always by Samuel Rowan. As is tradition, before we dive into the Lack of lots of Whitecaps news that we do have to catch up on. Feels wild to think we're talking about the Whitecaps, something that's kind of just been forgotten in our consciousness, but it exists. They're about to play in two days' time. But Sam, before we do all that, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well. Uh, Yeah, recovering from the the Canada hangover and uh, coming back down to earth now to to cover some Whitecaps. So... Hopefully they can they can build off some of the positivity. I'd say. I mean, qualifying for the World Cup is obviously terrific. Although you know, a couple matches on the road in Central America definitely left a little bit to be desired. But that's I think to you know that was going to happen at some point, especially when the the stakes aren't quite as high. But uh, the stakes are high for the Whitecaps, or at least it feels like they are. Um, no wins through four matches, searching for something at the moment trying to get guys healthy. So yeah, we'll take a brief look back at LAFC, but dive a little bit into this SKC matchup, what we can expect there. A, a very successful franchise, obviously, but not off to a great start. And then we'll we'll talk a little youth system too, because Whitecaps FC2 played their inaugural match. Uh, they've, they've got another one coming up in the home opener, not too far behind it. So uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of get you caught back up to speed on Whitecaps stuff. And uh, yeah, we're diving headlong right back into it. That's, uh, you know, Canada's on the shelf for a while. Um, and yeah, hopefully the Whitecaps can can make it interesting and make it, make it a team worth covering, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. These international breaks, I guess they can be both a blessing and a, dis- and, you know, and a, something that you, you, do, you don't want to, to see happen. So for the Whitecaps, I guess if you're a fan of them, it's a blessing because um, the way they were playing, it, it was nice to, to, to dive into something uh, different. There were lots of high stakes international games. Even if you're not a fan of Canada, I mean, you just look at like the, the Italy lost in North Macedonia, you know, you got the whole African cup qualifiers. Those five two-legged series were, were bonkers. You, you look in, in Conmebol, a hot finish there. Lots of fun in, in all the, the qualifiers, really. So if you are a fan of the Whitecaps and you're a fan of some international team, there, it is likely that you had a lot of fun this international break. And you know what? It's good for the Whitecaps, too. They were struggling. No wins in four games heading into this. Three losses. Uh, sitting at the bottom of the table, only one of a handful of teams not to, to have a win, period, in MLS. And just two of one of two in the Western Conference, along with the San Jose Earthquakes. Hasn't been a great start. And you know what? I'm sure they, they, they realize they, that, they admit that. And part, part of the reason why injuries, just bad luck, 
a lot of those things can kind of get worked through. You, you get Ryan Gold back. Hopefully you get Brian White back. We'll talk about those things. Kaiba Alexandre finally feels like we're, we're a lot closer than just ambiguous timelines. Who knows with Eric Kondoy, though, speaking of uh, ambiguous timelines. But players are starting to come back. Hopefully some of the players that were in the squad hit a bit of a mental reset. But before we dive into to all that and looking forward, let's go back to LAFC. We didn't talk about it explicitly on the show. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. You know, tough loss for, for the Vancouver Whitecaps in, in, in that one. Three to one, especially after going up early. You talked to all, all uh, you know, the whole time leading into this. It's a tough game. It's a tough game. They're going to get battered. They give you a little bit of false hope, and then they do get battered. What Sam, I guess just to start, what what went wrong? What went wrong for the Vancouver Whitecaps before we, we dive into the more nuances of the game? I mean, I think starting Jake Nerwinski is maybe maybe a good place to start. Uh, that's, that's twice now through four matches that I think Jake is part of the back three, has, has at the very least been a challenge, if not been... Uh, part of the problem and I wonder how much of that is down to uh, Flo Youngverse being an older guy and maybe managing fitness week in week out and how much of that is just what Vanny sees tactically but it feels like the Whitecaps lose something when he's not a part of the back three and we've talked about it already on the show but I don't think overall the Whitecaps have been as bad defensively as they've shown statistically there have been some goals from outside the box, some set piece opportunities, uh, things like that that have gone against them. Uh, but then you flipping it to the other side of the back three, Tristan Blackman with another really solid match. Uh, so that was good to see Thomas Hassall uh, look good again. And Sebastian Berhalter in the midfield, I thought had a quality outing. And the big question at this point with Kyle Alexandre still out of the picture is, who do you pair with Burhalter at this point? Uh, do you go back to the rel- well with Russell Tybert? Uh, do you do you go back to Leo Owusu? Uh, do you try Christian Gutierrez as an eight? Like they they got to figure out something in the midfield. Um, although admittedly, against this SKC team coming up, maybe it's less of a midfield challenge than they faced so far this year. So so maybe you get a little bit of leeway there. Um, just, I mean, I'm diving through the lineup, basically. Marcus Godinho, the, the Godinho experiment didn't go very well. Uh, I, I think we're ready to, to see, like, have, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, we haven't gotten uh, Goody and Javane starting together um, th- this year so far through four matches, have we? Nope. Despite our every game we talk about it, it's with C. Yeah. Goody, C. Brown. One will start, the other will yeah. start. So on the left, one play on the right. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready Chris for that. Gutierrez on the left and Javane Brown on the right. Javane Brown. I know they might. Gutierrez is fresh. I mean, he had a great experience of being with Canada while they and qualified. Javane had the, the last field. match off because he was suspended, so should be all right. And he there. also got taken off at like halftime against Canada. So he, he should be rested as well. They had their international experience. Give me Jermaine Brown and Christian Gutierrez. With Gutierrez on the, the left and Jermaine Brown on the right, please. It's, it's, you know, the inverted fullbacks. Unless out of absolute emergency or, or, or need, it feels like it's been a bit of a, a lost experiment, say, for Vanny Sartini. A rare, a rare occurrence we've seen from him over his, his couple months, I guess, almost slowly get ticking towards that year mark in charge. But yeah, kind of looking back at the match, it's tough to really gauge because the Whitecaps came out a lot stronger than we expected, which was nice. A welcome surprise. 
two two weeks in a row are on the road and they've come out strong you you score the first goal but there does have to be concerns with how they've they've been holding on the leads the fact that you go up one nothing and it evaporates so quickly and you look at the the, the stats in, in in both of the the games specifically this LAFC game they only allowed 1.82 expected goals uh LAFC obviously scoring three goals so it's not like they're going and say okay, maybe you get lucky with your opening goal and then LAFC just kind of blitzes you and it's game over. No, LAFC just, they, they it wasn't like they were, were were consistently beating them down with chances that were of high quality. Yes, they were consistently beating them down with chances. It did feel like a matter of time, but it's not like the Whitecaps were sitting there thinking like, oh, we're really getting, you know, particularly lucky not to be scored on that. For the most part, LAFC was knocking on the door, but they weren't really slamming on the door. And then, one goal goes in and it, you look at the goals. It was a header, a, a worldie of a volley. And then, you know, just some, some absolute magic in, in the box there by, by Kwasi Opuku, AKA Mahala to get the ball to Carlos Vela. And you don't, if you give him space, you, you know how that ends. Uh, and that, that's really what sank the white caps. And I think looking at, at, at these last two games, LAFC and Houston, I think what's most frustrating about them, if you're the white caps, you look across 180 minutes, you arguably haven't played all that bad. You, 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 you scored first in both games. You had two solid road performances, but you look at the four or five goal, the five goals you conceded four, four of them are really just boneless, you know, boneheaded individual mistakes. And then one was a worldie. And that has to be frustrating because in the, say in the first game against Columbus, you just got absolutely taken to town. You couldn't defend. You're giving up high quality chances. Then against New York, you get you give a really competitive game. Yes, you maybe get lucky not to concede a goal based on what New York threw at them, but you made it out with a solid performance. You had in these two games, you have two of honestly, I feel you know one. Vanny Sartini said he thought these were two of his best games of the season. I you agree with him, but just four individual mistakes killed them, and that's really been the story. And I think if you're the Whitecaps, if you're heading into SKC, of course you want to have a better performance, but that has to be something they need to clean up because last year when they were on that run. They avoided these sorts of individual mistakes. And that was part of the reason why they were able to win games just because that's going to be a whole other discussion of why are they playing a way that it's so reliant on, on perfection and avoiding those mistakes to win. But the reality is based on how they're playing right now, they, the, the margin for, for error is that fine. I think if you're talking about margins, you know, something else you look at too is the ability to consistently finish off chances. Yes, Lucas Cavallini, uh, you know, has has stepped up and, and, and scored a little bit, but you just haven't had that consistent finishing at the at the at the top end of the pitch. And Ryan Gold not being clearly wasn't fully fit really the entire season, and it really got aggravated to the point where he had to sit out against LAFC, and then you know. Cav has just been, I, I, Caleb Wilkins, shout out to him, um, you know, our boy at 86 Forever made a great like YouTube compilation of Cava taking on players at the dribble, being like acting like a winger and just, you know, sometimes kind of succeeding, but often failing sort of hilariously. And like you just, when you're already limited in terms of your chance creation, you can't have your striker doing that. Uh, so I think, you know, if we're talking about what went wrong at LAFC, not having Brian White, not having Ryan Gold is a big part of it. And I, I know people are tired of hearing about it and feel like it's an excuse, but I'm, I mean, we've been negative about the Whitecaps enough on this podcast. 
I think I've bought myself enough credit to to say at this point that I'm not ready to uh, you know cast a, a damning indictment of this team until I see them at full fitness playing together. And if the team is still failing and, and still struggling to get points, uh, then I'm ready to press the panic button. But until I see that, uh, yeah, you need someone in there. Uh, even, okay, Kava maybe can start, but it's gotta be with Brian White up front as a, as a two-man unit, kind of like we've seen from from Canada uh, with Kyle Aaron and, and Jonathan David. Uh, slightly different players, obviously, but I, I just think Kava right now can't do it on his own up front. He's just too undisciplined especially tactically. Especially with no gold. Especially with no yeah. Ryan gold. Because Pedro Vite has I, quality, but Vite is sort of a freelancer, and I don't think that really works with uh Well, because when Lucas Cavallini is also freelancing, yeah. like you mentioned, you, 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 at a certain point you need people in set positions. But I think that's a great point you bring up about you know the team itself, and it's something that I'd agree with in terms of you look at this team and you, you know, you look at their performances and how they're improving, you have to be, you know, intrigued. And at the same time, you have to admit that while the Whitecaps, let's be real, they should have got a point in Houston. I won't go out and say they should have won. Let's be honest. They should have based on the two goals they gave up. Should they usually on most days, they have no business giving that up, but we'll say we'll be generous. It's MLS. They should have drawn Houston. LAFC again, it's bold to say they, they should win. So I won't say that they certainly should have, at least been more closer to a draw than they were. Maybe if Christian Dahomey is a little more decisive on that two-on-one, he has choosing to pass or shoot earlier or, or whatnot, and maybe the Whitecaps have more of a chance to, to grab a point. So it's not like saying that they, they should be winning all these games, but ultimately, based on how the fact that they've been missing their two best players from the second half of last year in Ryan Gold and Brian White, and then they're missing one of their two best players from the first half of the year in Kyle Alexandre, and how integral those players would be to the areas where the Whitecaps are struggling, which you look at, you know, it's, it's especially in midfield and, and, and just cr- creating and finishing chances up front along with mistakes at the back, which is that, that, that solution is a little easier to fix. Like you got to find a way to get at least one of Florian Young with Eric Godoy on the pitch. We've said it before. Coincidentally enough, what happens, you take one of the, both of them off, they lose again in that fashion. It's not a, you know, it's not a coincidence and it's, something that will continue at least i'll continue to bang on the drum that if the white caps are going to want to be solid defensively blackman veselinovich are great but you need to have and that's not a shot to jake norinsky who was solid last year i just think if jake norinsky is going to be playing center back he also needs to have a florian youngworth or an erica doy in there with him we saw it works when those th- those guys are out there so at the back that needs to be fixed but in the middle and up front we see a lot of other white caps issues the good thing is you can point and think Oh, at least there's a path to success, you hope, when Kyle Alexandre, Ryan Gold, and, and, and Brian White are back. And then if they're in the team and those those same issues still remain, then you start to wonder, okay, maybe this team's a lot more flawed than we thought. And I'll, I'll certainly raise my hand if that's the case. But uh, just based on what we've seen from them, what their struggles are, there is a direct correlation. I think that does make a big difference. Because, yes, you could talk about last year, be like, Kyle Alexandre wasn't there when they were winning last year, and that's a great point but also the way they were set up, they managed to mask a lot of the deficiencies and really got a lot out of Russell Tybert and Letter to Wusu. And we trade, have to trademark that. unsustainable performance. You look at the back end of last season, everything about it screams awesome, great to see, but not sustainable at this rate. 
exactly no it's it's something where it's just the reality of it it's like you know obviously you know i i had i harbored a little bit of hope in russell tiber that he finally turned the corner and you know that's the thing with russell tiber is why he's so good at what he does is that he just has this knack of you write or you write him out and he'll find a way to to just give you something that is something where you you don't necessarily i guess at this point especially reading the reactions online it's not something where you, you get full-blown belief in him but you get sold enough to say okay i can I can live with with Russell Tybert playing every once in a in a while, but right now, based on his form, it's going to take a, a big superhuman effort to, to to get back to that. But I think ultimately, you just yeah, you look at the the Whitecaps issues, you see who's missing. There's a direct correlation there, and I think this LAFC game was a prime example of that, and why they were probably very happy that the international break came when it did, so they could hopefully hit some reset and hey if white and gold and, and Kyle aren't even ready, at least find a way to, you know, get that two week quote unquote mini preseason where you start to at least find ways to address those issues without needing them in the squad. If they are going to still be out for a while. All right. Well, before we dive into the upcoming SKC matchup a little bit, I just want to take a, a big picture look. So the white caps currently on one point through four matches played uh, seventh in the West is LA Galaxy uh, six points through four matches played. And then looking at the upcoming, uh, you know, group of matches prior to, prior to the Canadian championship and that matchup with Valor, which is May 12th, the Whitecaps have SKC at home, Portland on the road. Um, no, Portland at home, pardon me. Then, Montreal on the road, Austin on the road, Seattle on the road, Toronto on the road. I know Toronto, Toronto at home, Toronto back at home, and then Valor at home, and then Valor. So I mean, looking at that, man, the schedule makers didn't do the Whitecaps a lot of favors early season. Uh, I mean, Austin's been playing decent football against some some spotty teams, so I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. But but Portland's always going to be a tough out. Uh, Montreal has been a mixed bag, but certainly has some quality. Uh, Seattle, you can always expect a stiff test. And Toronto slowly sort of figuring things out. So none of those are going to be freebies prior to the the international, um, not the international break. I want to say international break, but prior to the, the cup fixture. Reflexes. So, I mean, yeah, looking at that, that's one, two, three, four, five, six matches. Uh you know, how many points do you have to get out of that to be to be satisfied with this next span of matches? And and what gets you well, what gets you close to the playoff bar or at least competitive? We'll we'll use that Canadian championship game as a bar because obviously they want to win that. That's we, first. Of I, all. I think we'll and know it, a lot more by the time we get to that match. I don't think we know very much about this team right now. And then the, the nice thing is the way it's set up for them, for them in the Canadian Championship, they'll be able to go for it no matter what. Because you look on the, they play May 11th at home against Valor. For a very fortunate draw. I mean, knowing the Whitecaps doesn't mean anything. CPL teams home or away has been an issue. So maybe they can finally get that first win over a CPL team. Anyways, you look at Toronto. It's a few days before you host Toronto. That's a good matchup. You know, Toronto, a young team. They're suffering a lot of injuries right now. Who knows where it'll be in a month's time, a month and a half's time. But you're you're at home. Even if you go for it against Toronto, if you're really struggling at that time, you go for it against Toronto. 
you're playing at home in the next few days against Valor. You should be able to go for it. And then what's also fortunate is that they're at home three days after Valor. So they get they sandwich Valor with two home games. That's fortunate. And then the week after, they also play at home against FC Dallas. So that, that period of games, they're at home. They'll be able to go for it in the Canadian Championship. They'll definitely want to win some of those games, like Toronto home, San Jose home, FC Dallas home. That could arguably, you know, either – depending on what they do over the next few weeks, either save their season, end their season, or springboard their season to a new level. But speaking of that, just to know where they'll be in that, those games, I look at SKC home, Portland home, Montreal away, Austin away, Seattle away, those five games, I'm looking at nine points. I think it's a bar that you want this team based on how they've started and what lies ahead. Because SKC Portland at home, yes, it's tough. You beat both of those teams, at, or you beat one at home last year, you lost the other, but you beat the other away. I'd expect the Whitecaps to be able to beat Portland and SKC at home. I think that's fair. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Montreal away, that's a bit of a tough one. But Montreal with the Champions League, Montreal with their injuries, you know, that base, they've had a habit of throwing away games late. I'd look at Montreal or Austin, who also, like, yes, they've been on a hot start, but it's still an ex- a second-year expansion team, a, way of, a venue you won in last year. You have to win one of those games and maybe draw or lose the other. You get nine points there. You're good heading into Seattle because let's be honest, the Whitecaps, there's a reason why like the last time they won in Seattle, like I was, you know, closer to elementary school than I was graduating university. Like it's been a while since, uh, you know, they've, they've won in Seattle. You don't want to head in there thinking we need to win. We need to win. So I'm looking at these next five games. I'm hope I'm expecting they get nine. Right? Like I think not expecting, but I think nine would be a good target, nine or 10 with most of that job being done ahead of that Seattle game, whereas you can go into that. And if you grab a point in Seattle or even a win, of course you're going to be happy, but you don't want to expect that. And then if you get those nine points heading into that Toronto, Valor, San Jose, Dallas stretch, and Charlotte away is the next game after, which is also a game you'd want the Whitecaps to win, then things will look a lot more rosy. I, I really like that breakdown, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate it into – something far more simple based off of everything you just said. Basically, you you have to beat at least one of Sporting Kansas City or Portland in these next two matches. You need three points out of one of those two to set yourself up for the for the fixtures to come. So I think that's the that's the big challenge. Vanny talked about it yesterday. You have you need to win your home games and uh there are two home games against good teams against teams the Whitecaps have had mixed history against but they've they've got to find a way to get full value out of one of these two matchups so you know that's the current challenge and then yeah if you can get between seven nine ten points out of this stretch prior to the Canadian championship then all of a sudden you're sort of reset now you just go and you know complete your season and compete and you're not um, having to you know scrap and claw your way back into relevancy but if it's you know if they can only get three four five points out of this next six matches then you're you've got a much bigger challenge on your hands well how i'd put it is last year the bar to make the playoffs was 48 points uh in the west and the bar to make the playoffs the year before actually i can't use the year before because it was shortened but in 2019 was 48 points it's two years in a row it's 48 points that seems to be rather consistent this is the west of course so for the Whitecaps, the way it is, you win all 17 of your home games. You get 54 points or 51 points. I'm sorry if I'm not mistaken. My math might be a bit off on, on that. No, it is 51 points. You're in the playoffs. 
So the white one thing we do have to remember is that the white caps, their first four games, three have been on the road and you do have a point. So what does, what does that mean is that they're, they only right now have to catch up two points. Cause it's theoretically MLS is like CONCACAF. You win all your home games, you, you get as much on, on the road as you can. That's how you get success. So for the white caps right now, the fact that they're finally going to head into this stretch of home games, a, you need to capitalize on those home games. And then you just got to start making up for those points that you, you, you dropped at home against New York and get any bonus points possible. So you're not heading into the, like last year where they needed to win all their home games and they somehow did. And it was a miracle. You want to avoid that at the end of the year. So the nice thing is for a while, it feels like the sky is falling down. You know, three of their first games have been on the road. You now get a crunch of home games. You get some very winnable away games where you ideally, if you want to be a playoff team, you get points out of that and things will be all right. So that's kind of how I'd see it. I'd say as much as the first part of the season it sucked, it was unfortunate, it wasn't fun to watch at all at, at times. I think based on the fact that people are coming back, that you got the schedule that you're coming into. I'm not saying the Whitecaps are going to go on and win this game, these games. I feel like I have to make that clear. But what I'm saying is, for as bad as the first part of the season is, this is the part of the season that matters a lot more in terms of if they're dropping points now, then you're worried because yes, they'll still be alive, but all of a sudden you have to start relying on, okay, you need to go absolutely, you know, perfect in the year, win a bunch of away games. And I, until I see it from this white caps team, that's not something that I expect them to do. So if I, if I'm to Harbor hope or expectation that they'll make the playoffs this year, well, these are the games you have to be winning. All right, third sub listeners, quick little ad break here to thank and uh, support our friends at Macy's Sports in North Vancouver on Brooksbank Avenue. Um, it's the off season for for some of us, right? And uh, you know, I'll be looking if I'm if I'm back in Vancouver in the summer, going to hit Macy's up for some gear, whether it's boots, kits, shirts, whatever. Uh, you know, when I go do those Sunset Beach runs in the summer, shout out to uh, Sunset Beach. Um, you know, if it's a little futsal, it's a little indoor soccer, it's a little uh, soccer on the pavement, doesn't matter what it is, Macy's has gear for you. So uh, they've been great supporters of, of the show, great supporters of local soccer. So uh, check out their website, check out their socials, hit them up in North Vancouver if you're in the area. So uh, shout out to them. Now back to the show. Okay, well, that said, let's talk a little bit of Sporting Kansas City. As a team that obviously have been perennial, you know, top of the Western Conference, uh, MLS Cup contenders, but haven't really had that success in the playoffs that they've, they've been looking for. Uh, disappointing to get, to get booted in the second round by an upstart Real Salt Lake team last year after, after beating the Whitecaps. Um, you know, another sort of upstart team that that snuck their way into into the Western uh, playoffs. But yeah, it's been it's been kind of bumpy so far. A win over Houston, a win over RSL during the international break, one uh, nil. Johnny Russell moment of brilliance really saved them from from a disappointing draw there at home. So. It's, it's not been a great start to the year. Alan Polito is, is out for the season. Uh, ha, he had knee surgery. You've got uh, Daniel Saloy, who's only been available uh, three of their five matchups so far. 
Uh, SKC's been very good with Saloy in the lineup, but really struggled without him. And, I mean, we talked about it already when we talked about LAFC, but Ily Sanchez making the move has really changed this SKC midfield. They're not as good. They're not as composed. They're not as organized as they were with Ily as part of it. Remy Walter, who they brought in, I don't know if this is, I can't remember if this is a second or third year um, in Kansas City, but came in with some promise, but really hasn't delivered kind of underwhelming performances. And uh, that's definitely been a downgrade for this Kansas City midfield. And then looking defensively, um, Fontas and uh, Ismat Marin, I want to say, I always get his name like slightly wrong. Did I get it correct, Alex? I think, I think you're right. It's Nicolas. Isimat Mirin, so okay. pretty close. Okay, yeah, minus minus the francophone pronunciation. But uh, those two guys, good defenders, uh, very comfortable with the ball at their feet, comfortable um, in their positioning when everything's in structure. But um, older guys, not as fleet of foot. So if the Whitecaps can stretch them, uh, play that vertical, direct uh attacking style that Vanny talks about, you can stretch them. There are goals to be found. Uh, people have been scoring on SKC so far this year with eight goals conceded. So that's that's kind of a brief breakdown of what we can expect from SKC, but with Soy likely to start with Russell in good form uh, and with SKC looking for points, you definitely have to watch out because they're, they're going to put in a full effort. Peter Vermees always has a trick or two up his sleeve. So uh, just because SKC has been up, off to a tough start doesn't mean they're going to give away anything for free, even on the road. Yeah. And I think the one thing that's a reason why Peter Vermees still has a job, you know, for, for how long he's been around is SKC is always solid. It's just, unfortunately, they kind of go through a life cycle of MLS where they go up and down. Like it's easy to forget that while they almost won the shield in 2020 and last year, in 2019, they were what, like five points better than the white caps who, if you remember correctly, were, only work, you know, the only team worse than the Whitecaps in 2019 was Cincinnati. So it shows that SKC they have these down years. And I think you look at their roster, it's really just bad luck. Like the fact that you lose Alan Polito, like for his, you know, you can talk about has he lived up to the $10 million price tag that 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 he he had when he came in? Probably not, but he's still been a very solid player. Yes, he doesn't score as much as some expected from him, but he, you watch him play, he's such a solid number nine does a lot of little things right and i think when he's in the lineup the skc just looks better and you, you know you miss gaddy kinda too which we have to remember when we look at this rise in 2020 what was one of the factors other than signing Polito was signing gaddy kinda to kind of just be your your guy in the midfield and that that you know missing guys like Polito and, and and kinda what the those two were they were such key focal points offensively where it allowed guys like Johnny Russell and Daniel Shaloy to, ch- to shine. You look at Shaloy last year, borderline, uh, you know, golden boot candidate all year on, on, on the left wing. Johnny Russell as well had another ridiculous flirted with the 10-10, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists again. For those two, having Polito and, and K- to play off of and Kinda to feed him the ball, it was, a, it was a front four. You didn't get much better than that in, in MLS. So the fact that they're missing both Polito, both Kinda, that's not going to be easy to replace. I mean, yes, you look at the, you know, some of the new additions, pardon me, like you look at someone up front, like Vujnovic, Nikola Vujnovic, Serbian veteran, uh, he's Montenegrin international, 
25 years old. It scores about uh, scored about a rate of every three games in the top Serbian flight. It's a good signing to have, and I'm sure there you can kind of see that he's integrating in and and getting used. But it's, it's not the same as someone like Polito, who is used to the Verme system, and that'll take time. And you look at you know again Cameron Duke, the 21 year old homegrown player playing number 10. Like there's obviously a reason why SKC signed that he signed him. They've been very you know quietly good with homegrowns over the years. But at the same time, a 21 year old homegrown isn't going to replace a guy like Gaddy Kinder right away. So I think for you look at SKC, the fact they've only scored four goals in five games very uncharacteristic for them those issues are a little more you know straightforward the the, the issue that surprises me more though is their defense the fact they've conceded eight goals in five games not terrible but you look at three goals to the chicago fire uh you know two goals to colorado a team that doesn't always score a lot three to atlanta yes they, they they did keep clean sheets against houston rsl but houston rsl aren't exactly murderers row in terms of teams that will, will score a bunch of goals against you so i am a little more curious about the defense is matt marin uh you know fontas you know they, they they have this tendency where yes they might be a little more dominant in the air and more, a little more physical they can get burned at times uh, and that that back four of the last game what we saw ben sweat graham zussi is matt marin and fontas not exactly young backline not exactly a spring fleet of foot backline and you do wonder if that's an area that the Whitecaps could potentially target, especially you see in midfield. They're missing a guy like Ilya Sanchez, who's just so good on both sides of the ball. Roger Espinoza is another, he's not a spring chicken either, 35 years of age in the midfield. Uh, you know, with Remy Walter not necessarily filling in the, the Sanchez shoes right away and Felipe Hernandez being young, there is also some holes in midfield. And I think the Whitecaps, uh, because of that, while SKC works through those growing pains, there could be an area to target for the Whitecaps. Well, yeah, do we want to talk, flip it and talk plan of attack a bit for the Whitecaps? I mean, everything seems to center around when the, those guys are healthy, Ryan Gold and, and Brian White, but uh, the, the wingbacks for Vancouver have been a real point of question so far. I mean, I'll just throw it to, to a guy, a player who was important for the Whitecaps at the beginning of last season prior to some of these these major moves, but has struggled to find a role so far this year. Uh, what do you do with Christian Dahomey, especially if you're going to start uh, Gutierrez and Brown at those wingback spots? Uh, does he become a super sub? Does Does Pedro Vite fill that super sub role? Um, what do you do with a guy like Dahomey? It's a tough one because there's still the whole question of where does he fit in in this formation, especially if he's not playing wingback. Do you fit Gal- How do you fit Galden, Vite, Dahomey when they're all healthy? But I, I like, like asking the question more than I like answering it, to be honest, because I don't think there's a good look. answer like, to this one. Because if I'm if I'm if I'm Vanny Sartini, you know what? I'll be honest. I want to find a way to have Lucas Cavallini, Brian White, Ryan Gold, Pedro Vite, Christian Dahomey, Diber Caicedo, Christian Gutierrez, and Javine Brown. How the heck do I make that happen? That's two fullbacks, two wingers, two strikers, and two number 10s. That's like, that's like a FIFA ultimate team formation. So that won't obviously won't happen. There's going to be guys who sit. There's going to be different roles. But I think if you're going to pick guys who are going to stay on the pitch, I think Christian Dahomey, especially for this game, would be perfect. Just the way he stretches out defenses. We talk about the, the, the SKC backline not always being the fleet of foot. You can, you can maybe stretch them out and – Either you force them to sit back or catch them in transition. Then in the midfield, things are looking a little rocky. 
I think it could be good to have a guy like Dahomey on the field stretching things out because either he'll open up thing, space and transition like he did against LAFC where, yes, he didn't score and you'll he'll wonder if he could have done better on his chances. But he, there were moments where the LAFC line was was put under pressure with how Dahomey was able to stretch things. I mean, LAFC, they're, they're ready for that. They're su- there's a reason why Max Crepo plays like a pseudo center back on his heat map these days and why you have Mamadou Fallen, who's, an, you know, he's a fast uh, he's a very fast defender. He's someone who can really make up for it. But Dahomey still gave them troubles in transition. So I'd want to see that against the SKC. And then from there, be it Vite or Gold underneath him or both. If, if Dahomey's either, either he'll be able to stretch things out and create chances for his own, but at the very least, he'll open up space for, for, for Gold and Vite to take advantage of this aging SKC midfield. So yeah, I'd love to see Dahomey in this game. Maybe you play him as a number nine alongside one of Cavallini and White, just to kind of let the other guy be the focal point, the guy who you play to, the guy who wears down the, the physical defenders who will like that battle. And then you kind of have Dahomey as the, oh, the ace in the sleeve beside him in the hole, kind of stretching things out and opening up space for, for Golden or Vite or both to, to do their magic. That's kind of how I'd see based on how this SKC team looks. You want to to really get them stretched, get them running and 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 the good news is the Whitecaps, they seem to be more suited to that sort of game right now. I think when in doubt, why not go back to what was working at the end of last season, which was Brian White up top with Daho kind of tucked underneath and then uh, Ryan Gold, you know, feeding those to the ball. That They had a lot of success with that. I think to reignite um, some Daho magic, that seems like the best way to do it. And unfortunately, that might mean that Pedro Vite um, becomes a super sub for the, for the time being. But I, I think you've, you've got to find a way to get your best players involved, right? And that we talk about white and gold, white and gold, white and gold, but Christian Dahomey was the, fir- the you know, first half of the season MVP under Mark Dos Santos. Maybe that's not saying a lot because they struggled, but he was a one-man offensive unit at times. I think it's easy to forget that. And uh, yeah, if, if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to, you know, take nine points out of these next six matches, I think you're going to need a contribution from from Daho and a, a relatively serious one. So uh, it's important to to get him involved. But Alex, anywhere else in the in the lineup where you think there's uh, there's some interesting storylines or, you know, battles to consider heading into this one? Well, I'd like to think we, we've got the back six sorted out. You got Thomas Asal in goal, a back three of Youngworth, uh, Rank Veselinovic, Tristan Blackman. We we know who our wingbacks we want, and I assume even if we don't see the pair, I'm, I'm sure we'll see someone something similar. We kind of have an idea what we want up front. We talked about how SKC's midfield isn't maybe what it usually is. Where do you go in midfield? We, we you talked a bit about it off the top about Sebastian Berhalter, Leonard Awusu, Russell Tiber. Do you even dare drop Vite for this game? Assuming you're running a double pivot, how would you target? Uh, SKC while also, you know, based on what you've seen from the few first four games of Awusu, uh, Burhalter, et cetera. I mean, yeah, I think Burhalter has, has earned another start. I, I thought I saw enough. He's just very energetic and, and active, even if not all of those actions were, were perfect. He was kind of you know, a bit wild at times with the challenges, caught out of position at times, wasn't perfect, but I thought that the the energy level was high and you need a high motor guy in there right now, especially if it's not going to be 
you know, a technical midfield, then you, then you got to match that with work rate. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't honestly don't think it matters whether it's Russell Tybrand or Leo Wusu. Although I almost want to say that uh, I can't, this is like pulling teeth, but I think you might just have to go back with Russell Tybert and Sebastian Berhalter. Oh, man. It, well, I think just the way you're going to play this match, you're going to try to be direct to break down SKC. You're going to skip the midfield a lot of the time. So Leo Wusu, if you, if you wanted those darting runs, the, the progressive passes, the, you know, the dribbling, the on-ball ability, well, then that, that's one thing. But I think if they're just going to go route one and try to stretch this back line and really, you know, the, the midfield pivot's just a, a mechanism to feed uh, the attacking players, then I, I don't know if you need Leo Usu in there. Uh, but then again, I mean, I think this is less of a nightmare matchup defensively for someone like Leo. Like none of those guys in the midfield really, really scare me that they're gonna that they're gonna toast Leo defensively. So I don't think you can actually go wrong. I think one way or another, it's gonna be just kind of like a midfield stalemate, which is a win for the Whitecaps in this one. They just gotta kind of you know, survive that part of the pitch, bypass it where they can and and exploit the areas where they might actually have a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a good point. Personally, I'm thinking you still want Owusu and Tybert in there, even if, or not Owusu, Tybert, Owusu and Burhalter, sorry. If Even if you're bypassing the midfield, just because I think it'll be good for Burhalter to get stuck into a game like this and, you know, kind of really the way he runs and the way he defends will be good against this, this SKC more possession-based midfield. And I think it would be nice to just see Owusu in a little more of a free role, but also one where he, he he's still responsible enough defensively where I'm not sitting here and worried about him. I mean, this guy has, even though he's not a number six, he has done competently enough in that role for, for years for a reason because he can defend solidly. So I think having him as a, in that, that kind of number eight with Burhalter supporting him, I think it could be nice. I do worry one thing is where with this double pivot, they could get played through by how SKC will want to hold possession. That is a worry, especially with how they'll want to get Russell and Shaloy going in transition. And if you're going to, they're going to dominate the midfield battle, that is dangerous. But I think having Burhalter and Abusu is a pretty solid way to counteract that. And still you get two of your arguably best passers in midfield right now in the lineup, other than Michael Baldissimo without sacrificing defense. I think that would be a nice way to, to, to kind of get that balance uh, and, and hopefully do enough to avoid getting battered uh, in midfield, which could very well happen because while we talk about SKC's midfield being a weakness more on the defensive side, we still have to give their, their praise to the fact that, you know, especially someone like Espinosa, Remy Walter, they're very good on the ball. They have been, uh, you know, for, for a while, they have pedigrees from their time outside MLS, in MLS for a reason. They're going to, SKC loves to hold the ball as well. Like there's a reason why when it was Sanchez, Kinden, you know, and, and, and Walter last year or or Espinosa, they hold the ball a lot. That philosophy hasn't gone, gone away. So the Whitecaps do still need to be wary of that on one side. Okay, I was going to, I was going to go through the bench and kind of see if there was anyone who could, who can make a surprise start in this match, but it's making me realize that really, uh, you know, other than that, that battle up top for those, those kind of forward attacking midfield spots, there's not a lot of tough choices to make. Like, you know, Michael Baldissimo just doesn't fit at the moment. I think Deber Caicedo is very firmly in the, the subs 
the two territory at this point. Uh, Ryan Raposo unlikely to get a start. Uh, yeah, there's just not really a ton off the bench. It's different when you had like David Egbo and Theo Bear in the fold. Uh, you know, just more striking options. But but right now, I mean, I don't necessarily want to say the Whitecaps are super thin, but it's just there's there's pretty clear division between uh, the starters and bench players, certainly in terms of sort of the, the back line and some of the secondary attacking pieces. Yeah, I think it's certainly... It's not, yeah, it's, it, there's this bit of an interesting separation, I, I suppose, in terms of guys that you know are bench players and then guys who you know are starters. And then there's kind of this middle ground of guys who you're not really sure fall in either camp. Like, I guess you could call that like the Diber Caicedo category, uh, for example. I would among, even among see, others. say, Daber at the moment is more of a more of a sub than a, than a starter. But, I mean, Vite is kind of... Vite and Burhalter, it feels like, depending on how, how the Whitecaps want well, to set I'd even up. add Kai Saito into that. Yeah. Just because he, he did get two starts to begin the, the year, and he, he has looked good. It just doesn't look like he suits the system. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting to, to see how that all comes together. All right. Well, uh, do we want to – anything else to add about SKC, or do we want to dive into uh, Whitecaps FC2 here, the, the long-awaited debut of the MLS Next team? I mean, yeah, not much else to say about SKC. Um, you know, going to be a big game uh, for the Whitecaps. Going to be interesting to see how they respond. International break, will they have, you know, their legs – how they, they'll be feeling, how will Christian Gutierrez and, and, and Lucas Cavallini be looking after their celebrations that they had, obviously with Canada booking spot to the 22 Men's World Cup. Still repeat it every once in a while, just to kind of remind me that that's something that's real and that's happening. So if you can forgive me for, for just putting that out there, that Canada is indeed going to World Cup. So I'll be interested to see that, how Gutierrez and uh, Cavallini look. It'll be interesting to see how Javain Brown is uh, as well after internationally as we saw, uh, you know, he didn't play that much, started the first game, played half of the second game before getting taken off, missed the third game with suspension. So he should be fresh. So otherwise, like, this is pretty much the full team uh, other than the injured guys, but at least they've been training, they've been working. Will they be ready? Who knows? But I think it's going to be important for them to come out strong. But yes, Whitecaps FC2, just want to dive into it quickly. Not much to say uh, for, for them. The young guns headed down to Houston to take on Houston Dynamo two tough result for them. One, nothing loss off of a free kick, you know, hate, you know, you always hate to, to lose like that in your, your opening game. But at the same time, it's always tough to be on the road, especially for a young squad. First game of ever of a new league. Uh, you can certainly forgive that, but just wanted to kind of touch on them because while it's going to be certainly a challenge based on the scheduling, just some of the scheduling of the league has been, looking through it hasn't been exactly what I deem ideal, especially just little things where it's like, it would have been nice. If they didn't play through an international break and, you know, didn't, for example, in two weeks, they're supposed to play Portland Timbers in their home debut, just cool and all. But then you realize it's like two hours before the, the first team plays Portland Timbers. And it's like kind of tight, but other than that, we're excited to have this team. It's huge for the youngsters in the system. And while it's a tough start, I think it's, it's going to be a start of a new era, which was officially marked in with this, this game. Yeah, I mean, there was always going to be some growing pains with this league. I mean, you don't you don't have the first year of any league uh, without some some hitches along the way. 
Uh, I know like SB Nation colleagues down in down Seattle were complaining about the, you know, the robo camera they had following the the match there wasn't doing a very good job. Uh, the resolution was really poor. The the audio quality was poor. You know, so there's things that are going to have to be worked through. But uh, yeah, not too much to say about the result itself. But uh, Whitecaps uh, top selection in the Super Draft, uh, Simon Betcher getting a start alongside Jay Herdman up top. And then you had a mix of draft picks, guys, you know, young academy guys you're excited about, like an Ali Adman, Giovanni Aguilar, Fasco Fry in the midfield. Um, and then you had the the Campania brothers defensively as part of a back three. That's going to be fun, you know, to watch this. Year. I think that's one area where this Whitecaps two team is going to be very solid. And I think just this first game where you only concede off of a free kick, I think that Bomer in goal, and then sometimes Max Anker, I'm sure he'll he'll find a way to battle with companion, companion in front of them. That's huge, just because it's a mix of, it's very experienced for this league, but also those are three long-term prospects for the Whitecaps. I just wanted to say how, how nice it is to see that triangle at the back. Yeah, and now, I mean, diving into the stats a little bit, it was it was a bit one-sided. Uh, the Whitecaps did have more possession, but uh, Houston with 22 shots, six of them on target. Whitecaps with eight shots, only one of them on target. So uh, emulating the first team of years past a little bit there. Wow. But uh, what I found really interesting is that they're playing. This is something that was talked about back in the Mark DeSantos days, but I know Vanny shares this vision, and it was really important to all of them, Axel Schuster included. I, I love the fact that they're playing the same shape as the first team, right? They're they're embracing that back at the three um, active fullback wing backs. Back at the three. Well, That's three three at the back. Pardon me, as I'm as I'm reading stats here at the same time, but. Uh, you know, they're, they're embracing the whole ethos of what's sort of being built. So I, I like that uh, guys, if they come up to first team training, they're going to be comfortable with the system. And yeah, just having competitive matches is is great. So not, you know, a bit of a bumpy start for, for Whitecaps FC2, uh, but looking forward to seeing them at home and looking forward to, you know, building up some performances here. Uh, yeah, I think you got to temper expectations for this league in year one. It's, it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. Oh, no, exactly. I think it's something that's going to be growing pains. Let's be honest. We want the Whitecaps to win a championship. Yes, it's nice to see your second team go out and win a championship. But at the same time, it's it's all going to be about a development, especially in the first years where at this point, a lot of these guys haven't had an opportunity, especially look at just some of these guys. Like I think of someone like Jay Herdman, you know, promising prospect in the Whitecaps Academy. The last few years, he's been on the U23 team. He hasn't really had a chance to be in a league. Just it's been haphazard friendlies here whatnot and you know even other than the guys in the academy those those players age like 18 to not 18 because it's but like those players age like 19 20 to 23 this is going to be huge for them just to get in the league setting again and play every week and train regularly and be a part of something like that where it's going to be huge for these players so ultimately it's going to be about growth it's going to be about game over game and it's just going to be ultimately seeing who can make the jump up. I think it'll be nice for the Whitecaps, say, uh, when the Canadian Championship comes around. Say, you know, someone like Jay Herdman, for example, just use him because it's an easy example. Or the Campania brothers, because we know what they're capable of. If one of them's playing fantastic and you know you've got a Canadian Championship tie, it's no, nice to know that 
okay, we can maybe potentially bring one into the squad or bring one into the team for that and not think, oh, we're just bringing them in because we like their potential. No, you have a body of work in an established league where they're going to be playing regularly and you're going to see what they're doing. And that's going to be so nice to, to have for the white cap. So ultimately that's going to be well, see what I follow along uh, when I try to watch what I can, I'll be perfectly real. It's Sam between Sam and I, I don't know if things are the same. I'll try to get stuck into as many of these games as I can be it live or on delay. The schedule doesn't do me any favors in that regard. So there might be some weeks will be tougher than the other. Like last week, wasn't really able to watch much of this Houston game with just how it was scheduled smack middle of the international window. And I was traveling and whatnot, but I will definitely try to get stuck into it as much. And when I watch, that'll be what I'm looking for. Like who's progressing, who's getting comfortable to like Sam mentions the fact that it's pretty synchronous between Svani Sartini at the, in the first team and Nick Dazovich, who we never officially congratulated or acknowledged as the new head coach of the Whitecaps FC too. So I want to extend a congrats to, to Nick Dazovich for that role. And I think he'll do a great job was close to getting the athletic Ottawa job. So the fact the Whitecaps were able to score him is a very good uh, piece of business. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he pushes these players in this environment to, to eventually make that step up. Yeah, Dasso likes Vancouver too much to leave. Uh, I'm, he's I'm a West Coast boy. I'm I'm happy they managed to retain him because I I think he's been, he's done so much work uh, during you know these last couple of years when, um, you know we we directed a lot of negativity towards ah these guys don't have a place to play but that that wasn't Dasso's fault I, I trust like. Every time I saw his training sessions, it was high intensity. He was doing everything to get these guys ready for matches, even if there were no matches to be played. So uh, I think there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes there that that people don't see or don't talk about. But but Dasso has been terrific uh, through all of it. And so very, very happy to see him uh, getting the recognition and, and now getting to actually coach these guys up for matches. So uh yeah, looking forward to continue following it and uh, hopefully the, the level of coverage, the level of interest, all that stuff grows over time. But yeah, well, one step at a time here. But uh, Alex, any any final thoughts here? Any any final Whitecaps musings? I mean, are we are we doing predictions or are we doing a, are we doing a Twitter spaces on Saturday? It's tradition. We'll find a way to do a Twitter spaces, even if it's for, a you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. We'll find a way. I won't be at the game. I'm still uh, out on the East Coast, but I will be back for the the next week after the Portland Dar- the the Derby. Always happy to be there for for that, and it's going to be exciting. Lots of big games to to, to come, and uh, we'll certainly do some spaces in our our predictions. Then uh, we'll we'll find a way. We'll find a way. So I'll skip it for now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've already put out a prediction in my eighty six forever oh, match preview. So, uh, I mean, that might change. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have an edit when the lineups come out. Who knows? Uh, I'm always last minute, just instinct. Uh, I yeah. will forever be that way with my predictions. We'll have to we'll have Can't to see. But uh, stay tuned for that. We'll we'll dive into the lineups as they come out. Uh, any news that's happened since then. Obviously, you know, we have, have training this week, but don't know how guys are going to feel physically heading into the weekend. So uh, it's something to watch out for. Certainly, I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed watching Canada these last couple of weeks. I hope you're you're ready to dive back into some some white caps and MLS soccer. Uh, thanks as always for for listening and the, and the support we've received, you know, not only for white caps stuff, but especially uh, Canada stuff as well has been 
has been tremendous. So, uh, you know, couldn't do it without, without the support, everyone out there listening, commenting, um, clicking in on our articles, what, you know, interacting on Twitter or whatever it might be. So, uh, big shout out to the listener and, uh, yeah, Alex over to you. Yeah. I mean, uh, signing off bit of a new, I guess, uh, outro for, for me on this one, but, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Gongaruzic. And as you may or may not have seen, if you listen or you're on Twitter or whatnot, but uh, gonna gonna be doing some new stuff this summer because yeah, officially, literally the day of us recording, uh, with joining the team officially, I had done some work with them before uh, over at One Soccer as a web editor and some some other stuffs with them. So I'm gonna be doing a lot of writing now for One Soccer, which is gonna be you know it's surreal to to get an opportunity like that. It's gonna be weird to 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 get into that, but super excited for that. So hopefully. You know, as things stand, everything should still stay the same for the third sub podcast uh, for the most part. If anything does change with, with that sort of stuff, we'll be, of course keep you updated. But for now, show still should be should be all good. So we'll continue to, to talk white caps on that. But I'll be doing a lot of writing now over at One Soccer. Uh, I will have to figure out the futures of uh, Between the Sticks or at least my roles with that as well as, as Destroying Progress. Certainly the, the storm progress will stay around and will always be an outlet for, for bonus stuff, stuff I never get into, you know, it'll still remain there between the sticks. I will figure out what this all means for my white caps coverage. So I'll be honest, we're still, still figuring all that out. But it's I will it's be a fluid situation. As of next week, uh, among some other stuff that is slowly coming down the, the pipeline here. So super excited to, to be able to, to share that today. It feels surreal and happy to, to, to be here still with, with Sam, who's been here throughout this, this whole journey. It's, it's been a ride and uh, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a pleasure to, to share this on the show. Yeah. I mean, not the, not the first of life changes that the, the third sub has, has encountered. So we're, we've been through a lot. We're ready for it all. And I absolutely uh, unequivocally reserve the right to, uh, you know, question, slander, critique one soccer whenever I feel it is apt. So as a, as a free agent, I will use that right now. So, so don't worry. There'll always be balanced coverage on here. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, huge, Huge congrats to Alex, uh, you know, for anyone who's been covering or just interested in uh, Canadian men's and women's soccer for the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, not a lot of people were noticing it a year, year and a half ago, but I think a lot of people are noticing it now. So uh, no one more deserving out there than Alex. And uh, yeah, you can find me as always at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter at 86forever.com. Yeah. Looking forward to to more MLS soccer coverage and obviously some Canada stuff as the summer goes on. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll chat again soon.